Well, it was about 11 years ago whenever a group of us uh, came together and we decided, hey, we feel like the Holy Spirit may be calling us into doing something like planting a church, like starting a work uh, out of nothing. And uh, we thought we must be losing our minds because we were in a place before that preached the gospel. We were in a place before that we had good community. We, had a, we were in a place that we enjoyed being together. And just suddenly, kind of out of nowhere, ex nihilo, if I would say that, out of nothing, there came this calling to be a church planter and a calling to come and start something new. And so we began to pray together and start together and, and go, what is it, God, that you are doing? And it was about this time, 11 years ago, that um, two other guys, Dawson Stockdale, his brother Jason, and I went to Seattle to a church planners conference to discern the call of God. What is it, God, that you are doing? What is it that you're calling us to? Is it, is it really to be a church planner? And it was in that that God really brought together some things that he was doing in my own life in the lives of the people that ended up coming with us. And so out of that, there were, uh, there were 12 families that came and planted Refuge Church and uh, it was really a, really a cool thing to see the things that God has done. Some of you are Christians today because of the work the Holy Spirit is doing that you become Christians since Refuge Church was planted. Some of you have started to, you have found a new church home and refuge. Some of you have come back to church. Some of you have been in church for a long time and God has brought you here to help us in the work that God is doing. But it's really cool to think about that really God called us to something that was really crazy and we, were, we chose to follow him despite the craziness that it seemed to see that what he was doing was really a really cool work. So I'm thankful for that time. I'm glad that God called us into that that many years ago and that he is still doing work today, amen? And so we're gonna see some kind of craziness that God calls people to do in today's text. So if you'll open your Bible to Genesis chapter six, we will see some work that God is doing. We'll see some things that he's doing, some crazy things that he called Noah to do and the obedience that which he did and which he followed out with it that God called him to do. So we're gonna pick up in Genesis chapter six. Uh, verse nine is where we will start. So you can follow along with me in your Bibles or on the screen today. This is what the text says, that these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, uh, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And God said to Noah, and God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end to all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through, the, through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then verse 14 says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, there we go. We're just gonna go along with this. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its bread, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits, uh, make, uh, make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side and make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring, a uh, for behold, I will bring fl a floodwaters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which there is breath and life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you, 
all of and every and, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark and keep them alive with you. There shall be male and female of the birds according to their kind, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the grounds according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come with you to keep them alive. Uh, for shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food to you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God had commanded him. <clears throat> Let me pray for me and us as we, uh, as we jump into this. God, we need you. Holy Spirit, uh, will you help us today? God, will you help me and my voice and technology and all the things not to be a distraction to the work that you want us to hear. Uh, the, the words literally from your word, uh, the word of God that is alive and active. Uh, so will you help us today, Holy Spirit? We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> hey, so last week um, we uh, were in a text and I just wanna kind of roll back into that text to lead us into today's text. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can kind of look back with me in uh, uh, Genesis chapter uh, nine, excuse, uh, back chapter six, verse five. This is what the scripture says. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. <clears throat> so we see a few things described in last week's text. One, we see this, that the wickedness of man was great. That the wickedness of man was great. Scripture says, if you'll remember what happened was that, they, that they, there were the sons of God and they were mating with the daughters of men. And they were set out to destroy the work of God. They knew that there was a plan from Genesis chapter three. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But the wickedness of man was great. The second thing is that we see that every intention of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continuously. So I want you to think about that, that every intention and the thought of the heart was only evil continuously. Satan had set out to destroy the seed that would someday crush his head, but there was a promise that that would come. But every intention was only evil continuously. When we see this, that the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth. You remember the word that we used for that? It was a big $10 theological word. I had you say it three times. Remember what it is? Anthropomorphism. Let's, pray, let's try it again. Say it with me. Anthropomorphism. Some of you aren't trying. Anthro say it with me again. Anthropomorphism. Some of you didn't even try it last week. Say it with me now. Anthropomorphism. There you go. There's your theology lesson for the week. Anthropomorphism. Things that are done in human terms that God is doing in human terms only for us to be able to understand. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And the last thing was that it grieved God to his heart and the evil that was on the face of the earth. Scripture tells us in verse eight, though, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then in verse nine, uh, this is what we read, that these are the generations of Noah. It says these three things about Noah, that Noah was a righteous man. There was righteous Noah. He was blameless in his generation, and he walked with God. Those are the things that the Scripture described Noah, that he was righteous. These are some things that'd be nice to be able to describe us today, right? That righteous Scott, 
Scott was blameless in his generation. And then Scott walked with God, or insert your name there, that you were righteous, that you were blameless in your generation and that you walked with God. What words do describe you? If this was written about you today, what words would, be, what words would describe you? If it aren't these kinds of words, then it would be my encouragement to you today for all of us, including your preacher, that we strive for these kind of things, that these would be words that would describe you and me as we follow Jesus in our lives today. Uh, so there's an extremely stark contrast between the rest of creation and Noah. Would you agree? That the, the world was only evil continuously, and then there was righteous Noah. So the, the Bible makes a very stark contrast in what was going on. Uh, so then verse 10 <clears throat> says this, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, and I found an early picture of Noah's uh, sons posing outside the ark. This is it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just entertaining myself up here, so... <laughs> I love the three stooges. I just identify with them. So the text even goes on to, again, to remind us, the reader, that there are clear differences between Noah and anyone else. Look in verse 11. This is what the text says. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. Think about that. The earth was filled with violence. I mean, we're only in Genesis chapter six. But the scripture says that the earth was filled with violence and God saw, verse 12, and God saw that the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. Corruption, sounds like our politics today, right? Ooh, yikes. Um, so why were they corrupt? That's the question. <clears throat> why was the earth corrupt? Well, you know, the answer to that is sin. Sons of gods and daughters of men coming together. Remember, we talked about the Nephilim. We talked about all that last week. If you missed that sermon, there's a lot of things about that that you need to know about. But actually, we, so we know from the point that we can take from this text is that sin corrupts people. Sin corrupted people back in Genesis. Sin corrupts us today, amen? So you, we know that it does. We can probably look around and see that sin corrupts people. We can look around and look at others and see how sin corrupts other people. But the reality is if we look at our own lives, we'll find that, seren, that sin corrupts us as well, right? We don't wanna talk about that. We don't wanna expose it. Most of the time we wanna hide our own sin. We don't want anybody to know about how corrupted I am. And so I don't wanna expose that to anybody else. But the reality is we need one another. We need to be able to talk to that so we can address the sin in our lives. We, you need one another. You need to be in community with one another so that people can point that out to you. I have people in my own life that point that out to me and go, bro, this is where sin is corrupting you. I point that out to other people that I'm in community with and you need that so that we don't try to hide ourselves, but we can bring that sin out into the open. Paul wrote about the corrupt heart in his letter to the Galatians. This is what he says in Galatians chapter six, uh, verse eight. Uh, he says this, for the one who sows to his own, this is what it says, yeah, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Let's just stop right there for a second. Look what he said. For those who sow to their own flesh, who gratify their own flesh, who are looking to find satisfaction in what it is that they wanna do, those who sow to their own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Whenever we're looking to satisfy our own way, Paul says that it will reap corruption. 
It's inevitable because our sin, because of the sin that is so pervasive in our lives. But the, Paul goes on to say this, but, and he changes directions and says, the one who sows to the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. It doesn't have to stay that way. There's hope for us. There's hope for us to find whatever we're sowing to the spirit, when we're sowing to eternal things, when we're sowing to the spirit from the spirit, it will reap eternal life. So because this worldwide epidemic and this sin corruption, God decided to destroy the world and all its inhabitants, save Noah and his family. This is what it says in verse 13. And God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end to all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now the question is, did God have a right to do this? Did he? Did God have a right to destroy everything that he had made? Yeah. Uh, did God have a, a right to destroy everyone except Noah and his family? Why, is it, why did he have the right to do that? Why? Because he's a creator, right? He made it all, he made everything, and he had the right to do those kind of things. I like to say that we church people are okay with God doing that in the Old Testament. Right? I mean, we're okay with him. As you, as you even read further into the Old Testament, we're okay with him wiping out all the bad people. We're okay with, with Israel when they come in and they go and they say, hey, wipe out every man, woman, and child. Wipe out their livestock. Wipe out their dogs. Wipe out all their cats. Uh, I mean, get rid of all them. Uh, we're okay with him doing all that. We would be okay if he wiped out cats today, right? Yeah. Yeah, amen. Come on. Where's your hanky? Wave a hanky, somebody. Yeah, we would be okay if he did that today. But we're okay with him doing it in the Old Testament. We just get a little squirrely whenever it comes to doing things like that today. We get really squirrely whenever we go, God chooses to do some of those things today. And we, we see God's judgment still at work today. And nobody likes to talk about those kind of things. But the reality is that God is still at work today. And God still does some things today that we go, I, I don't know if I'm okay with that. I'm, and I don't know if I'm okay with God doing those kind of things or not. But the reality is God gets to do what God wants to do. Because he's God. And he owns it all. So this is what he says. He goes on the text in verse 14, uh, 15 and 16 and says uh, these things. Uh, 14 says this. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pits. Verse 15. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 30 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. 16. Make a roof for the ark and finish it with a cubit above and set the door of the ark on, on its side. Make with it a lower a second, and a third deck. Now, this is a big boat. I'm sure that um, Josh Holly would have been trying to cut some kind of deal uh, with Noah to trade his ark for like his camper and his fishing boat. If, if I know Josh well enough, if he could have got his hands on a boat like that, he would have been really happy. But this is a really big boat. And so this is a huge one that, uh, that he is making. I mean, can you imagine... Uh, the reaction of Noah as he is getting these instructions from God. I mean, they've never seen rain yet. And they haven't seen it rain. And so he's telling him to build this big boat. I mean, does he even know what a boat actually is? He had to, just, had to describe what it would actually be like. Uh, they never had a need for a boat. And suddenly God's telling him to build this huge monstrosity of a boat. 
And how in the world are you gonna build something so big and so massive? I mean, this seemed like a crazy request. Who's ever had a crazy request from God? Just me? All right, I see a few smattering of hands. I mean, who's ever really that you think God has asked you to do something or God has really impressed upon your heart to do something? Has that ever happened to any of you? Come on now, this don't mean you're charismatic because you raised your hand to answer this question. It's okay to raise your hand. I mean, God asks us sometimes to do some crazy things. Sometimes he asks to do some crazy things with our friends, right? And he's like, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to approach your friend about this or that or the other. Sometimes he asks us to do some crazy things at work. He might ask us to, to actually go and speak to somebody at work that you know is outside the household of faith and invite them into your life and talk with them or maybe even just have lunch with them. Or maybe he just asks you to do something specific something very specific for you to do. God asks us those kind of things. Noah probably thought, man, this is gonna be a really cool thing. I can get all my neighbors in. I can bring this. This is gonna be the party barge, you know? I mean, this is gonna, we're gonna float this sucker down the river wherever, if they're, I don't know, if, you know, we'll put this thing out and we're gonna build it on dry land. Not exactly sure that's gonna happen. We'll have some people to vacation with. This will be really nice, but, then it gets to verse 17, and this is what 17 says. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, and which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. And so in case Noah didn't hear the first time, I picture Noah looking somewhat like this whenever he hears this. I think he says this. <laughs> yeah, go back, what? Wait, you fixing to kill everybody? You fixing to wipe out everything? I mean, everything's about to go away and you're expecting me? I mean, you want me to build this monstrosity of a boat and you're gonna kill off everyone? I mean, church, here's what happens. Sometimes we get specific instructions from God. Very specific instructions to do some things in our life, to, to involve our life into some things. And we may not know why. We may not know why God asks us to do some things. And sometimes we may question God and go, wait, why are you asking me to do this? Why is it that you want me to be a church planter and something I've never done, to leave a career that I've got and, and to go and start something brand new? Or, or maybe it's something crazier than that that God is asking you to do. I don't know why he's asking me to do these things. And we may not know why, but God sometimes still asks us to do things, right? Or we may not even agree. We may be like, I, I, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can really do that or not. I'm not sure I'm willing to step out into that thing and actually do that thing that you're asking me to do, God. I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand for you and go, I, I've been there before. I, I'm not sure I'm willing to do that. I'm sure some of you have been in some of the same places. Or maybe we can't see the end result. God, what is it that you're up to? I don't even see how this can be a good thing or I'm not even sure how it is that this is gonna come out. But if you're asking me to do something that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, but you're asking me to step out and do something really crazy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Probably you do. I mean, many of you raised your hands and you've experienced God asking you to do some things like this before. 
Some of you may even be in the middle of it right now where God is asking you to do something. He is commanding you to do something. And you're like, say what? But God plans. God plans. He plans, and many times he plans to use us. This is another thing that I want you to see. Uh, followers of Jesus uh, don't always know where they're going, but they always know who they're with. You know what I'm saying? Followers of Jesus don't always know where we're going, but followers of Jesus, they always know who they're with. You know what that, you know what that needs? That needs a tambourine. Come on. I mean, that is for real stuff. We don't know who we're, sometimes we don't know where we're going, but we know who we're going with. Y'all need a tambourine. Y'all should have brought your own tambourine because that's exciting. Sometimes it's in your job. You don't know why God's got you in the job, but God's got, but you know what? God's called you to a place and he's called you to stay sometimes. And you go, I'm just gonna ring my tambourine and know the spirit's with me and I'm gonna keep on keeping on in my job. Sometimes it may be your health and you don't know why God's got some things going on with your health. But you know what? God's seeing you through in these kind of things. You know what? I'm gonna ring my tambourine and I'm, me and my kidneys are gonna roll on down the road and we're gonna see what happens. By the way, speaking of kidneys, we got a list that started. And so if you're a really spiritual person, you'll put your name on that list to give me a kidney at some point because that's coming up. I, I, y'all should have a tambourine for that one too. Sometimes he may move you somewhere and he goes, I'm not sure where I'm gonna go. I'm really happy where I am, God. But if you move me somewhere, I'm gonna praise you even when you move me. I don't wanna move, but if you're moving me, I know you're calling me to something that is greater than myself. Sometimes it may be a money situation where you go, God's got you in a place where he goes, I want you to give some money to this person or this is gonna be, you're gonna be in a struggle bus for a little bit for a while. But you know what? Followers of Jesus don't know where we're going. We don't know why we're in this financial situation that we're in, but we know who we are with. Maybe it's your family. You go, I don't know what's going on with my family. My kids have lost their mind. Uh, they, they, they are rebelling against me and I've never, I didn't even see this coming. And I don't know where they're going but I trust the Holy Spirit in this and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna pray fervently and I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit in this and I'm gonna trust you in this and I'm gonna trust you to do the things that you say that you're gonna do, God. You're the one that I trust. We don't know sometimes where we're going, but we do know who we're going with, Christian. God is always making a plan. Here's what Jesus said. Remember what he said? Jesus said, I will what? Never what? Come on, leave you or forsake you. So no matter what these situations might be, Jesus says, you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do any of these things by yourself. Jesus says to us today, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. <coughs> Noah didn't need for the decree of God to make sense. He didn't need for this to make sense and I'm gonna build this big ship and there's never been a drop of rain to come down on the face of the earth. I, 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 don't, I, it doesn't, I don't need it to make sense, uh, but he didn't need the decree of God to make sense for him to be obedient in what he was doing. Noah didn't need all the steps to be laid out for him so that he then chose to do. God, if you'll show me all the steps and you'll show me exactly what's gonna happen, and what's gonna, I know you said you're gonna destroy the earth and you're gonna put me in this boat, 
What then? He didn't ask for all those kind of things. He just said, you build this because this is what's coming. It's all I'm giving you. Noah didn't need to rationalize it all in his head to think, I mean, we're gonna get on this boat and everything else is gonna be dead. He didn't need to rationalize it in his head to obey the things of God. Why? Because the Bible tells us that Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Noah was in a relationship with God. Noah knew and trusted God. If you're in a relationship with someone you trust, then so, if someone you trust asks you to do something or tells you to do something, then typically because you trust them, you go, okay, I'm willing to do those kind of things. And so Noah had that kind of relationship with God. Noah knew who he was with, that he and God were on the same team. We can know those same kind of things today. We can walk with God. We're called as Christians to walk with God, that he'll walk with us. We can have a relationship with God, the creator of the universe, that we can have an intimate, personal relationship with the creator of the universe. That's what really we're called to be whenever we repent and believe and put our, and we become a disciple of Jesus. That's an intimate, personal relationship with the creator God. We can have that. If that's not what your Christian life looks like, then you're missing the full essence of what it means to follow Jesus. It's a personal interaction with the creator. You can have that today. If your relationship, if your Christianity is just touch and go and it's show up at church from time to time and you know throw a few dollars in the plate, or whatever, that's all you is, then you're missing what it means to be in a relationship with God. It is much more than that. Much, much more than that. We can trust God. So whenever God asks us to do something that may seem crazy, it won't be to build an ark, Okay? Nobody's gonna need to build an ark. But it may be to invite your kid's baseball coach to church sometime. It won't be to build an ark. But it may be to take your coworker out for lunch and just see how they are. It won't be to build an ark. But it may be for you to sit by that kid at school who's just a little bit awkward, who doesn't have a friend who gets picked on. It won't be to build an ark, but maybe it'll be to just open your home up to your neighbors. Find out their name. You don't have to build an ark. All these, all these things, we can see that God has a plan. God was rescuing Noah for his namesake. And he wants to rescue people today for his namesake. He wants to save people today for his namesake. And he uses people like you and me in that process. See, when God saved you, he did it by his grace and for your good so that the name of Jesus may be known. And so <clears throat> you may look at this upcoming flood that, that's got described here in our text and, and think, well, this isn't fair. 
Uh, this is not a fair thing that, that God is going to destroy the earth. And, and you may look around and think that uh, as many people today perish, that, that it's not fair. And you may think, well, I would certainly do things different, and I wouldn't have done that in the flood during that day, and I wouldn't have made those kind of decisions that God's making then. Well, the Scripture tells us, and we should know these kind of things, that this is God's universe, and he does things his way. You may think you have a better way, but you don't have a universe. You don't have a universe. You didn't create these things. God gets to do what God wants to do, and this is God's way. He goes on then, though, in verse 18 and says this, but, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, and your wife and your son's wives with you. And so despite the sin that had prevailed on the earth during this time, God had a master plan that was set in place that we see just the evidences of in Genesis chapter three. It was set in place from the foundation of the world, but we see that there was some evidence of it in Genesis chapter three that there would be one who would come and would crush the head of the evil serpent. Remember that when we talked about that? That from Genesis chapter three, there'll be one who would come, that he would bruise his heel, but he would crush the serpent's head. He would crush the enemy's head. So in that, there had to be a remnant of people that would survive. Even the impending flood, there had to be a remnant that would survive for this plan to come to pass. And so our enemy thinks that he can win. Our enemy thinks that he can prevail, but the reality is that he can't. I mean, I, I kind of, I went to 901 wrestling last night. <clears throat> Have y'all ever been that at the rec room? Who's, who's done that at the rec room? If you have, if you don't have your hand up, you should go sometime and watch 901 wrestling. It's absolutely amazing. And so in my own mind, as I see these things, people trying to prevail, I see God coming and dropping the strap and pulling the chain around and go, uh-uh, this is not gonna happen. And he's gonna pound the devil with that chain. He's gonna pull a Jerry Lawler and crawl up on the top rope and pound the devil in the face with his chain. Again, that's how I interpret the scriptures. Uh, but that, that's my own way of seeing things and going, you're not gonna win. You can, it may look like you're gonna win and you may against the ropes and do all, and, and you may be down and almost out for the count. But the reality is, is that God, will, God is going to prevail. You can't derail the plans of God. No matter what the scripture, no matter what we've read about, no matter what the sons of God were coming into the daughters of men and evil was, was prevailing throughout the scripture tells us that evil was continually happening throughout the, throughout the world that still could not derail the plans of God. So God made a provision for all that and it picks up in verse 19 and this is what it says. <coughs> and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, verse 20, of the birds according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you uh, to keep them alive, verse 21. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. So God made a way for, one, the survival of the species. God made a way for the sustenance for the survivors. 
He said, you bring some animals on there for you to eat so you, so you and your family can survive as well. And God made a way for the shelter from the judgment. He said, I'm gonna bring you in and I'm gonna protect you. He said, so I'm, I'm gonna help you survive and I'm gonna give you sustenance and I'm gonna give you shelter from the judgment. And verse 22 says this, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Underline this. If you're an underliner in your Bible, underline this. Noah did all that God commanded him. So there's one word that I think we should use to describe Noah, and it's this word, faithful. Faithful. What about us today? <clears throat> Can this be said of us? I mean, as you examine your own life, as you look and, and you internally do it in your own mind, and as you get into your places by yourself, is that something that can be said to describe you? Faithful. That's who Noah was. So what does God command us to do? Does God command us to build an ark? Nothing near that. Turn, turn your Bibles over to the New Testament in Matthew chapter five. Let's go there for just a few minutes because I want you to see, here are the things that God calls us to today. God calls us to be faithful today. This is what he's looking for from me and you. Matthew chapter five, verse 38. This is what the scripture says. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. It's a little countercultural today. He goes on in verse 43 and says this, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Those people who are saying things about you, who are dragging your name through the dirt. He said, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do this? Don't even the IRS do this? Then, and if you want to turn, you can, but I'm, I'm going to put it on the screen. This is uh, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is what the text says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Don't run past this. You've heard this a lot. You love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So what does God command us to do? Say it with me. Love one another. 
Let's say that one again. That's even better than anthropomorphism. <laughs> say it with me again. Love one another. Let's try it one more time for those of you who didn't say it. Love one another. That's what he calls us to do. How are each of you responding to that? How are you responding to this in your home? How are you responding to this with your friends? How are you responding to that in this church? Love one another. See, church, let us strive to live differently. Like Noah, a life pleasing to God. And so the question becomes, what do we have to do? What changes do we need to make in our lives today to live a life pleasing to God? Like Noah, a life different from the culture around him. We saw the stark contrast that the Bible made between the culture around Noah, or really the, everybody, else, everybody else in the world, and Noah. How do we live a life that's different from the culture around us? And like Noah, a life worth emulating. Walked with God. Righteous man. Let us be a people who listen to the Spirit. See, even if... Even if we don't know why he asks us to do something. Again, it won't be to build an ark, but it will be something else. I mean, if you're a Christian, I can promise you that God's gonna ask you to do something. He's gonna ask you to live in a certain way. He's gonna ask us to be a peculiar people. He's gonna ask us to do something, sometimes something crazy. Let us be a people who live that way. Trust the Spirit, even if we don't know what the outcome actually may be. It won't be that the world is gonna be wiped out by the flood. We will have to trust Him in some other ways. It may not be that he's gonna call you to be a church planner. Or he might. Let us be a people who live for Jesus even if we don't get to see the end results. We may never know the impact that our lives have on those around us. The obedience that we have, that our lives have in following Jesus. Let us be a people, a peculiar people. That no, God's not gonna call us to build an ark. But God does call us to love one another. Sometimes that's even a little bit harder. My hope for us, my hope for us, Refuge Church, is that our obedience to God and whatever it is will be a pleasing aroma to our great God and King. Let that be said of you.
Let me pray for us.